There's that old adage, the customer is always right. But in today's interview, one of my clients surprised me. He's been in business for 30 years and shares why the customer isn't always right and what his perspective on it is. In this interview, Scott shares how he's invested in developing and, and really living his company core values and why that's been a key piece, not only to his company growth, but also in helping employees who weren't the right fit for the company weed themselves out. Scott shares a lot of nuggets on leadership, including how he's grown from just being the owner of the company to the visionary that the company really needs him to be as a leader and why he closed the residential division of his company and now strictly focuses on HOAs and how one of his new commercial property manager clients thoroughly investigated him online before hiring him and why he's seeing this big shift in how commercial property managers and commercial clients in general are buying and how he's adapting his marketing to the new trends. Over the last couple of years, Scott has invested a lot of time, money, energy, and resources in personal development, coaching, and other things. So he talks about that, including the shocking results of an anonymous SWOT analysis he did with his employees and how you can do the same thing with simple blank note cards. Today's episode has a ton of value for leadership, sales, and marketing. So let's get into it. We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our, our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're going to increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year. Hey, it's Jack Jostis and welcome to the Landscaper's Guide. Today's episode shares a ton of business value that any landscape company would, would benefit from. And it goes into some commercial specific information that's just a taste of what I'll be presenting at the Landscaper's Guide to Commercial Sales and Marketing, which is a paid virtual event coming up on Thursday, April 21st. So if you're a commercial landscape company, I hope you check that out at landscapersguide.com slash event or see our show notes for a link. And if you're listening and maybe you don't do commercial, send this episode to somebody who does so they can learn about that exciting event. Now, let's dive into the interview with Scott Kalinius. All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode of The Landscaper's Guide. I'm excited to have uh, somebody I've gotten to know over the last couple of years, partly as a, as a client at Ramblin' Jackson, but we've developed a friendship too. We have Scott Kalinius, he's the president of Forever Green Landscape Services, which is a multi-million dollar commercial landscape company focusing on HOAs in West Palm Beach, Florida. Scott has been in business for over 30 years and he's doing a lot of exciting things today. We're gonna to talk about leadership, we're gonna talk about sales, but first, Scott, I wanted to welcome you to the show and, and say on your LinkedIn profile, it says that you're leading landscape warriors into battle. Love that. Tell us, what does that mean? Well, Jack, first, thanks for inviting me back on the podcast. Super excited to be here. Um, what do I consider that is that, you know, my guys go out every day, they battle the environment, they battle their clients, they battle their properties. And I consider myself a leader of those of my team. You know, it's very important that my team steps up, does the right job, and, you know, fulfills our contracts. But also, you know, I want them to enjoy it. And I want them to understand that you know, it's important that we do a good job, but it's also important that we do it together. We do it as a team. 
but I want them to know that I'm a leader that's behind them. And I put them, you know, their needs, their wants, their requirements in front of sometimes even our clients, you know, sometimes I'll go to our clients and I'll tell them, Hey, look, what you're asking is just something that's not going to happen. And over time, you know, that's built up a lot of credibility with my team, you know, because they know that I'm there for them. Uh, you know, so what one person I follow is Gary Vaynerchuk, and he, he had a good quote was, um, the client is always right as long as you want their money. Wow. Right. That's a so great... I, you know, because the client is right to an extent if you want to work with them. Uh, but I think what you're talking about is is creating boundaries with people. And I know from working with you over the last couple of years, you've become more assertive in your sales on the front end where you're talking with people about um, what you can and can't or will and will not do. So tell me a little bit about that, kind of leaning into that. Uh, how, how do you approach sales differently now? Well, you know, I used to go to my accounts and I felt like, you know, I needed to get this job and it was important for us because we wanted this contract or whatever we might look at. But now I realize it's more important for it that they're a good fit. It's also, can we provide the service that they're asking for? Is the budget allow us to perform at the level that they're asking? But more importantly, you know, a lot of times in a conversation with board members or property managers, you know, you'll find out, hey, maybe this property is really tough to work for because they have these high expectations, but they don't have the budget to meet that. So there's many times that we go to appointments and I'll just bow out gracefully and say, hey, look, you know, we would love to help you, but you have these expectations that are a lot higher than really what your budget can afford. Now we need to figure out, hey, we would love to work with you, but what's going to give here? Either you either going to get top-notch service, but it's going to cost you, or we can give you really good service for the price or, you know, the, the budget that you have, but you know, it has to be a give and take. You can't ask, 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 but then have a low budget and expect our team to perform, right? Because what's happening is they just have more and more requests, Jack. They just keep piling it on and piling it on and piling it on and think, oh, well, whatever we request, you'll do. You know, so over the years, we've really trained our staff that, hey, look, this is what our job specs are. This is what we're required to do. This is what our contract says. Let's meet those standards. Let's exceed them, right? Because one of our core values is we refuse to be, you know, we refuse to be average, okay? That we, you know, we don't want to be average. But at the same token, we know that we can't make everybody happy, Jack. We also, I also train my staff to think, hey, not every homeowner in every neighborhood is going to be happy with your service. It's impossible, right? You take care of three, 400 houses in one neighborhood. I'm never going to make 400 people homeowners happy it's impossible but if i can make 95 percent of them happy i feel like we've done a really good job yeah definitely and 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 tell me more about core values i know that you've you so you've been in business for 30 years you 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 had a team for a while and recently you've been on kind of like a personal development kick uh reading books and you've invested in business coaching and um, I, I know that part of that has been a focus on core values. Scott came out to the Ramblin' Jackson studio in Colorado recently. It was awesome. You know, one of the videos, the, the recruiting video was about core values. So tell, tell us about what are core values and why are you focusing on them now? And then what are some of the results of that? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like the last two years, as you said, I went on a self-development, you know, 
tour, I guess, you know, I, 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 I had coaches. I've always had personal development coaches and people, business coaches to help me, but none of them have really brought up core values or any of these kind of things. So I started reading more books. I read Traction. I've read Rocket Fuel. I've read several others that are in the same line. And what I started to realize was that, you know, we need to have these set of values. Like I had my own personal core values, but I never implemented them into the business, right? Certain things that I lived by. And I thought to myself, hey, if we implement these same kind of things that I live by into the company and just maybe change up a couple things, you know, so be more general for the team that we could live by these standards. You know, it, it's not easy. So, you know, we had a meeting, we discussed it. Um, I use my team as examples, right? So like on my social media, I will highlight one of our employees, how they, you know, exude those, those core values. We do it in our team huddles in the morning, you know, certain things. And I think as, as we keep bringing up core values, bringing up expectations, what's happening is, their level of service is excelling because they're all excelling. And also too, Jack, with that, it's also a way to weed out some of the employees that maybe aren't good fits for your company, right? So we've lost, we've lost several employees. Um, and the thing is, I used to be afraid to let anybody go, right? Because I always need them. You know, we're in a tight labor market everybody's looking for employees, everyone's looking to recruit, everyone's coming, oh, what can, how can I get people to come to work for me? How can I do this? How can I do that? And what I found is the more I give to my employees, the more I pour into them, the more we talk about core values and expectations that they keep bringing me quality people. And then they almost vet the employees we have. And they'll come to us and say, hey, this particular individual doesn't fit our mold of a good employee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you have to have an uncomfortable conversation, you know, with them about, hey, is this really a, a career path for you? If your employees feel great every morning, they get up, they have their name on their shirt, they have a logo on their shirt, it's clean, they look great, they're tucked in, they're ready to go, you know? So when my team arrives at your job, at your property, my team looks ready to go. They look like landscapers. They look like they're ready to perform. That really means more to me than anything because the reality is, is that, you know, that's a, they're an extension of the leader, right? So if I'm a poor leader, I'm going to have poor employees. And if I treat my employees poorly, they're not going to treat our clients well, you know, and that's the big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know as you grow, you really are working on building people up so you can continue expanding and you can't do everything right. Um, and, and part of this, and I know I've, I've had this challenge too, is, you know, um, in order to let people grow and create an environment for them to grow, you do need to give up some of the control over some of the things that maybe you used to personally do, um, and, and it's hard. Uh, so, so I wanted to, to hear about, you know, growing from more of just an owner into the leader and what, what does that mean to you? And maybe what are, I don't know, what, what are some things that you've realized that you used to do that don't really, that you don't do anymore, right? Well, I would say the biggest thing for me personally was I was a micromanager. You know, and I think a lot of people that start in this industry, we are because we feel like we can do everything ourselves and we can do it better than the next person. And we also feel like, 
hey, you know, if I'm not there, then the job doesn't get done right and so on and so forth. But what I've learned is if I step back and I let my team go out, do their tasks, okay, and if they make a mistake, they make a mistake. But the reality is, is that they make less and less mistakes. I find when I was micromanaging my crews, we made more mistakes because they weren't just making decisions for themselves. They were relying on me to make the decision. So it was a text message. It was a phone call. It was whatever. So again, I drove, we, I flew out to Colorado during the week to film videos with you. Awesome experience. I wasn't stressed out while I was there. I mean, yeah, I had to get in front of the camera, but I mean, I wasn't stressed out about my team's performance back in Florida. They weren't calling me. You were with me. My phone was not blowing up. There was no emergencies happening. You know, did I get an email? Do I get a text message? Of course. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't stressed out about being in Colorado for two or three days to, to do what needed to be done for the business. But I had set those expectations with the team prior, you know, like, hey, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do. Right. And I feel like the more that I've stepped back and turned more into the visionary role, more of the leadership role, that everybody, all my team has all stepped up, Jack. I go to them and I say, hey, um, you know, here's an index card. Write three things on it that you think would make it better to work at Forever Green. Okay. And I don't, you know, when I tell them, I don't want their names on them unless they want to. I don't really, I want them to be open. I want them to give me their personal feedback. That's something else as a leader. Jack, you have to be able to take that criticism and not take it personally. Because the reality is, is that if you don't get that information from one person, how are you going to know how to build your team? Like maybe there's something I do, like I'll give you an example. So we did the SWOT analysis and I always thought that I was a good communicator. I had several people write in the analysis that they thought one of the weaknesses was the communication. So I sat down with everybody at one of our morning huddles and I said, okay, so tell me where I'm lacking in communication. What do we need to do? How can I communicate better with you? What do you need to know? And what I realized was I am communicating with them. I just wasn't giving them some of the information that they wanted. You know, Jack, you're involved with the industry collective, right? So that's another thing, you know, by us doing these packing events, whatever you want to call, the team buys in. They're all together. You get photographers. Yeah, it's great for marketing. It's great for sales, but it does more for the morale to see us pack 100 backpacks to see us pack hygiene package, to see us give away food for the holidays, to see all that stuff, it builds them up. And then that helps bring in more team, more staff, because the employees look around and they're like, hey, you want to join a really winning team, a good team? Come over here and work with us. This is what we do, right? You know, we don't just work and collect a paycheck. We're giving back to society. We get uniforms. Scott bought us clippers. He's asking us what we can do to help. Yeah, so you're, you're getting feedback. You're working with people. One of the things that, that we talked about while we were out on a walk in Colorado was, um, or maybe it was over barbecue, I don't know, uh, but we were talking about the shift of um, from thinking of laborers to frontline workers. Yeah. And I, I don't know that it was necessarily you that came up with it. I think maybe you saw it from, is it Josh Gamez? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh. Um, but yeah, and Josh is doing amazing things. Tell us a little bit about frontline workers versus laborers. What does that mean? And 
how do you think of your people differently and yeah, I think that the old mentality of having just a laborer was just a guy or a girl, you know, who just worked and just did menial tasks, you know, chores. And I don't look at it that way. You know, I look at that. I make an investment in my front line. My front line is me. Right. So I've taken a, a, a approach of leading from the behind, you know, leading from behind instead of leading out front. Right. Because I want to help all of my team excel at all of their tasks. So if I can be behind them, helping them, coaching them, you know, figuring out what, what they need, their, their life will be better, but also their performance in the, in the field will be better. So I look at it more like they're frontline workers because they are our frontline. They're the people that are out seeing my clients, seeing other places. My employees rarely walk in my office and demand a raise. They never do that. Why? Because I'm willing to give them a raise on their performance what they're doing, how, mm -hmm. how are you helping? And it's not just a task. It's not just, oh, he knows how to use an edger today and a hedge trimmer tomorrow. No, it's how did you interact with a homeowner? How did you diffuse the situation? Did you, um, you know, did you take care of whatever the job may be? Did mm -hmm. a homeowner come out and how did you help them in their, in their, in their time of need? You know, because reality is I can't be everywhere, Jack. So I have to have really good staff who if your wife or you walked out of your house and there was landscapers working in your front yard, you would want them to be pleasant. You would want them to smile. You would want them to say hello or good morning or pull the trash can in or mm -hmm. pick up the debris in the yard. You know, the real simple things. But I see every day guys that look unhappy at their job. They look like yeah. they're just out there doing it because they need a paycheck. And I don't think that they... I don't think that they're giving the best to their, to their team, you know, and I've taken in employees who I've had in the past and have come back here and it's a completely different vibe now. You know, they, they like working here. They want to be here. They bring yeah. their friends, they bring their family. Let's, let's talk about sales and marketing a bit. So what, you know, you've been doing sales, right. For 30 years, um, primarily focused on HOAs, um, mm -hmm. What one of the exciting things is you've actually been able to remove your residential clients, right? Right. Um, yep. That's kind of that's kind of a bell ringing moment. I'm going to ring a bell for you. Thank you. Right. That is uh, yeah. no. I mean that's kind of a big deal because yeah. right when we got started, you're like, oh, I really want HOA, but I have these residential. At how how are you seeing marketing fitting into getting commercial, uh, you know, getting HOA clients? Like what? How are or, or more so, how are, how are how is the customer buying differently now versus what you were seeing maybe even a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the HOAs now are looking at their contractors a little differently. They're looking for more specialized contractors. They're looking for contractors that will specialize in what they need. For us, you know, as we've focused in on our team, trained our team to do their task and do it the best they can that our quality of work is going up, we're way more efficient, and our homeowners are much happier, right? Because now they know we can operate on a schedule and we can maintain, I mean, you know, we have 30 plus communities that we maintain, you know, from little to big. And wow. they, they want to know that, hey, we're gonna be here on time and on schedule and on budget and all these things. And yes, can we handle their enhancement projects? Of course. But they also have the confidence to know that I'm not out 
trying to get a development. I'm not out trying to be a, you know, a landscape contractor that's just doing installation, right? Like mm -hmm. we, in one of our videos, we talked about that, you know, the shiny object, you know, they get, they get distracted and sales is a big thing with that, Jack, right now. You know, they want to know that you're going to be a contractor that's going to help them with their community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, people have been burned by the you know, and some, some companies can do it. I think you have to be a certain size where you have a specific team that's working right. on maybe commercial uh, yeah. or a specific HOA division. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely see it working that clients can do residential and commercial, but it's when they're not quite at the staff level to do it that, you you know, like you were saying, having the person who's really good at doing a few landscape construction projects may not be the best at managing the volume of clients that you that you have for um, for these 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 HOA communities. One of the one of the people when you came here um, while you were like on the plane or something, uh, I think somebody closed a deal with you or something. And, and they were, they were somebody that had like scoured your website. Tell, tell us a little bit, you don't need to say who it was, but like, what was their, what was their story and what, how did they buy from you? Yeah. So the morning that I jumped on the plane, I signed a contract for a new HOA and, you know, I had met with them and, um, I had met with a couple other board members of the community and they were all on board, you know, it was a great referral. And then I went and I met with the president. And at the time, I hadn't met with her prior. So she calls up and she says, hey, listen, I want to sign your contract, but I'd like to meet with you face to face. During the conversation, she starts telling me that she did a thorough investigation of basically my company. And I, I kind of looked at her a little taken back. And I said, um, really, like, you know, what did that involve? And she's like, well, I looked on your Instagram and I read all of that. And then I checked you out on LinkedIn. And then I jumped over to Facebook. And then I basically read every page of your website and I almost fell down, even though I was sitting down and the other board member who was sitting at the table looked at me and almost, he's a commercial photographer and said, wow, how is that possible that she read everything? And she said, I watched your videos. I checked you out. I looked everywhere on online and you know, you're a great fit for our community. And I love that, Jack, because we have made a significant investment into our website, right? And it's important for us to have that image online, you know, but it's also important for that image that's online to be replicated into the field. Well, I'm I'm glad that when she invest, investigated that you, when she investigated you, that you passed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not surprised that you did because you have a lot of great content on your social media, on your website. And, and yes, working with Ramblin' Jackson kind of ruins the way that you use the internet in some ways, because you notice those little things like people's websites who don't have the security thing. But once you right. know about it, it's kind of like really obvious stuff. Like, why don't you, you know, take care of this? Yeah. And I think too, Jack, with that, with that being said, though, I think a lot of people try to put this online brochure out there and then they don't look the part. Right. So it's like, I think it's very important because you need social credibility, right. And social proof, you know, that, Hey, this is, this is the company that I chose, but then when they show up and you're in branded stuff and your trucks are logoed and you have all your things and it's the same people that are in those pictures are now on step on, are out there working. 
I think that's very important to the end user. You know what I mean? If I was a contractor of any scale, you know, if I was a home improvement contractor or a landscaper, I'd make sure that my pictures were up to date. I'd make sure that, you know, the content is correct. And also I would, you know, focus in on what I'm going to do online. You know, I think, I think that you need to have a plan of what, what you're trying to do. You know, you can't be everything to everyone. When your marketing sales and operations are aligned, that's really right. where you you're just on fire with, with getting, doing quality, running a great business. Right. And then your, your employees are, are, are enjoying it too. So I think you've made a lot of really big changes in your business and, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show to share this with us. I'm inspired by what you're doing and I'm, I'm sure people out here listening are, are inspired too. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate being on your show anytime. Scott. So for people listening who, who want to connect with you, um, where, where can we connect? Where can we learn more? I think the best place to connect with me is just look me up on LinkedIn and follow me there. Got lots of followers, lots of activity. Hit me up on the message there. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, but LinkedIn's really the place. Send me a message. Um, I'm open book. I'm, I'm love to help everybody. Well, I even have people in our mastermind, Jack, reaching out to us. So cool. Let's do it. Yeah, I appreciate you being so um, generous with your time and coming on the show multiple times. And yeah, follow Scott, connect with him on Instagram and and, and uh, LinkedIn because he one thing you do really well there is you post great photos of your team. You make selfie videos on your phone where you're out at a job site. You're like, hey, I'm at a job site and here's what I'm seeing. And they're just like off the cuff and they're done and they're really good. So um, learn from Scott. And uh, all right, well, thanks so much, Scott. Thanks again for coming on the show. And everyone, look in the show notes for links to Scott's website and social media. And uh, thanks for listening. Scott is a really great person to connect with on LinkedIn. In fact, I was just messaging with him on LinkedIn today about how he got another lead through LinkedIn today. Um, so he's posting really interesting selfie videos, doing little like just informal property site visits and making videos of what he's seeing. He's posting photos of his staff. So check him out, get inspired by what he's doing. And if you're a commercial landscaper, and you're currently marketing yourself like a residential contractor or maybe the people who built your website or your marketing team, they don't really know that commercial is different from residential landscaping and you're not getting leads from the internet. Well, you've got to bring your sales and marketing team to my paid virtual event, The Landscaper's Guide to Commercial Sales and Marketing on April 21st, where we're going to dive into why marketing to commercial clients is different than marketing to residential clients, and also what's similar, what you can use that will work, how to leverage digital marketing for subsets of your commercial client list, like HOAs are different from municipalities and hospitals and so on, how to, how to get apartment clients, all those things we're going to cover in this webinar, including how to stand out from your competition with branding and differentiation and the power of video. So you stop losing and stop competing on price. And finally, how to use outbound marketing, how to proactively prospect using LinkedIn and other social media to connect with property managers, property owners, to get your foot in the door that way. Check that out at landscapersguide.com slash events. See a link in the show notes. And if you know a commercial landscaper who should check out this interview or our upcoming event, please share this episode with them. My name is Jack Jostis, and I look forward to talking to you next week on The Landscaper's Guide.